The Athletic and other outlets report that a deal to bring star striker Erling Haaland to Manchester City is nearly done. But how would he fit in Pep Guardiola's system? John Muller is here to break down why the move makes sense and a few reasons why it might not make sense. I'm Alex Abnos, and this is Soccer Every Day for Monday, April 25th. First, as usual, a quick TV guide for today, and there aren't really too many games to keep an eye on, uh, as is normal for a Monday. In the Premier League, we have Crystal Palace hosting Leeds United, that is on USA Network at 3 p.m., and in Serie A, Sassuolo hosting Juventus at 2.45 p.m. on Paramount+. Plus. Earlier, though, on Paramount+, Plus, a trophy is at stake. In the UEFA Youth League final, you'll see the U19 teams of Benfica and Salzburg play for the trophy. In case you want to keep an eye on some maybe future up-and-coming stars, that should be a game for you. It is, at, again, noon Eastern time on Paramount+. Plus. That's pretty much it for today for Games on TV. Let's send it over to my conversation with John Mahler. It is Monday, which means at long last we are back with John Mahler to take us through an analytical argument or a point or a thing that we should be take we should be paying attention to this week. And this week, the thing we're talking about is Erling Holland. Uh, David Ornstein reporting in The Athletic that he has given the green light to a move to Man City, of course, playing for Borussia Dortmund right now, one of the most exciting young uh, talents in world soccer. He's apparently agreed personal terms, according to David Ornstein, uh, but there is still a lot of work to be done. This isn't final yet. Uh, They, for example, still have to figure out what Man City is going to pay Dortmund. One one would imagine it's going to be quite a bit. And it's more been reported they're going to pay his agent, right? Yeah, what they're going to pay his agent. A lot of people still need to get paid. A lot of signatures still need to land on pages. It's been reported elsewhere that uh, Holland will be agreeing a contract that pays him somewhere in the neighborhood of five hundred thousand pounds per week. Which, to translate that into U.S. sort of salary figures and time periods, uh, that will equate to about thirty-three million dollars a year. Which, just sub note is a lot of money, but would make him about the 20th highest paid player in the NBA, and I'm sure lower than that uh, in, in baseball. and The ninth, ninth highest in baseball. Ninth highest in baseball. Wow, yeah. interesting. Okay. Uh, in any case, we're not here to talk about those other sports. We're here to talk about his how he might fit uh, with Man City. And John, you have, I'm sure, looked very closely at sort of what Holland has done in Germany with Borussia Dortmund, his career in general. Let's talk about sort of why he's commanding such a huge price, why there's so much speculation around him. He's obviously very good. I don't think you need to have any sort of advanced analytical understanding to, to see that. But what specifically is he good at and why are have the Sharks been circling around him for what seems like years now? Yeah, so he's incredibly good uh, at scoring goals. I think that's the one thing that everybody knows about Erling Holland. He's 21 years old and he scores a ton of goals. Um, however... You know, there, there is precedent for people scoring a lot of goals in Germany and then struggling to do it in England. Uh, two years ago, Timo Werner was the second highest scorer in the Bundesliga after Robert Lewandowski. He moved to Chelsea and has struggled ever since. Uh, Jadon Sancho was also in the top five that season, and he moved to Man United and has struggled. So I think that there are issues uh, with league-style play and with uh, team fit that maybe we need to be attuned to. Um, and, and I think that when he's on the kind of wages that we're talking about, 
you know, some of the highest wages in the world, that makes it very hard to transfer him if he doesn't work out uh, because yeah. not many clubs can can afford to take on those wages and certainly not to do that and to pay a transfer fee, which surely City would want if, if they were trying to move him on. So if they're going to get Erling Holland, they need to be really sure that they're getting the real thing and the best striker for their system. So, yeah, I mean, maybe let's let's start with why uh, why they're excited and why everybody's excited about Erling Holland. I've been talking to Alan Shearer this week for a story that's going to run in The Athletic next week. Shearer's one of the greatest strikers the Premier League has ever seen, and he loves everything that he sees about Holland. He particularly loves his movement, which I think uh, is, is really kind of the most standout attribute of Holland's game. Uh, he plays on the offside line all the time. Uh, he's very good at getting in behind. Uh, now he can do that when he's running from deep and kind of counterattacking situations. You'll see him breaking through center backs who are positioned at the halfway line all the time. And he's just really fast. I think he's maybe the fourth or fifth fastest player in the Bundesliga this season, according to their stats. You know, you got Fonzie Davies up, up number one, yeah. so you know the stats are legit. Uh, but but Holland's just really fast. He's almost that fast. He runs like um, the wind. It's it's actually kind of crazy to watch uh, when he's when it, he's at full speed. Yeah, he's like this big lumbering, like six foot four Viking <laughs> yeah. dude, but he can move so fast. And he, he's also got like a really good burst, right? It's not just a good top speed. It's those first two or three steps with his really long legs uh, will just put him by defenders so quickly. And yet, even though he like runs so fast and he's living on the offside line, he's not offside as much as you would imagine. Uh, he's not like toward the top of the players who are offside the most. And I think that speaks to him having really, really good timing. And he's really good at reading what his teammates are doing and what the center backs are doing. Uh, so not just when the center backs are at the halfway line, but, uh, you know, even when they're kind of in that that secondary uh, line, that, that mid-block line, he can still break through. Uh, he's really, really good in transition. He played under Jesse Marsh at RB uh, Salzburg. And, you know, when, when his team wins the ball, Holland is running like directly for the penalty spot, you know, like Marsh would love his strikers to do. I think Marsh once said that Holland's the best player he's ever coached. I mean, probably goes without saying, but yeah, hard to argue. Uh, yeah. I mean, hard to argue, right? Like, and, and because he's so quick at reading those transition moments, he gets in behind before defenses have switched on and he gets a lot of uh, goals that way too. It's, it's really striking when you look at where Holland shoots from. Uh, he shoots almost exclusively in the 18 yard box. Uh, only four of his 94 career goals have been outside the penalty area. Um, yeah, uh, they're almost all uh, with his feet, especially his powerful left foot, usually around the penalty area, a little bit to the left side. His non-penalty expected goals per shot, which kind of is a measure of his shot quality, right? Like how likely is he to score on any given shot is one of the best in the big five leagues over the last couple of seasons, like up there with Lewandowski. These guys only take good shots and they produce them at, at a high volume. And Holland's really good at doing that. Uh, so, so that the, the movement gets him great shots, the great shots, get him great goals, lots of great goals. And I think that really, that's the main thing that city is looking for is can they have a guy who's a focal point of their team, uh, who's, you know, kind of creating space for other guys between the lines, because that's what they haven't had the last season or two, right? They've been playing with a lot of false nines, a lot of like kind of two midfielders up there where the strikers should be. And they haven't had somebody stretching the lines. And so he can bring them a different look in that way. Real quick, before we talk more about Erling Holland, is there is there a stat or something that that people can look at that measures movement? Because this is like something that doesn't involve the ball directly at all, uh, and it's easy to look at somebody with the eye test and say he moves really well or he has really deceptive uh, movements or ways to to sort of shake off defenders. But is there any sort of statistical measure of that that is available to you know 
regular people like 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 me or people uh, that are just sort of watching at home? Yeah, that's a tough one because it depends on what kind of data you have available to you, right? Right. Uh, so what you would really want in order to measure movement is tracking data, uh, which uses multiple cameras around the stadium, multiple times a second. It's telling you where every player is, where the ball is, and really only clubs have that. So the Bundesliga is using tracking data when they tell us how fast Erling Holland is running. So that's one way that you can measure movement, maybe not the most useful way. Um, there are some companies that, that do use this to measure kind of tactical performance type metrics. Uh, like 12 football has some really good kind of disruptive run measurements that measure the potential uh, value of a space that players running into or the potential value of a space that they're vacating. Unfortunately, I only have that for the Premier League. So I'll be able to tell, tell you next year, you know, kind of what Holland's doing in terms of the value of his runs. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Well, we so far we've spoken all about how good Erling Holland is. I don't think that that will be news to most people that are listening to this podcast. We all know that Erling Holland is very good. The reason I'm talking to you beyond the fact that, you know, you're on the show a lot, is you don't think that Erling Holland might be the best fit for Manchester City. Do I, am I, am I characterizing this correctly? I'm, I'm kind of curious to know why that is. Um, you know, if you were to run down the reasons why they were to, you know, why spending all the money that they're going to spend on him would be maybe not the best purchase in the world. Yeah, I think that maybe I have more questions about this than a lot of people do right now. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm not sure that this is going to work out. And we've talked about, you know, kind of the questions about league fit, the questions about like, can they move him on if it's not working out? So like, it's, it's a big gamble. And I think that we need to look hard at like why there might be some reasons why City um, might not be the, the right fit for Holland in the same way that Werner maybe hasn't been a great fit for Chelsea. Uh, and it starts with, he's not good with his feet which is, is just a really like, you know, that should be criteria number one for playing in a Pep Guardiola team, right? Yeah. Even famous strikers who haven't worked that well in Guardiola systems, like Zlatan Ibrahimovic, is incredible with his feet, you know, uh, and didn't work out at Barcelona. Now, maybe Lewandowski uh, is, is a good kind of parallel in terms of a striker who really uh, is, is more of a goal scorer than a guy who's going to link play. Uh, and he did well under Guardiola at Bayern. So, so there's also precedent on that side. But Holland, I think, is he's, he's really clumsy. Uh, his first touch is not very good, honestly. And, and part of that is because every time that he takes a first touch, when he's dropping to the ball, he's always looking to lay it off one touch and turn and get in behind immediately. He's not a guy who holds up play. Uh, he won't really link it any longer than he needs to so that he can get the ball right back behind the back line because that's always what he wants to do all the time. Uh, and so what that leads to is kind of a lot of really loose, fast, loose touches uh, he has this one thing that he really likes to do where he'll drop to the ball and like kind of try to flick it backwards with the outside of his left boot as he's already turning to go behind. Yeah. And like, it, it looks flashy. It looks cool if it works, but it doesn't work a lot of time. And that leads to counterattacks. 
And the number one thing that Pep Guardiola worries about constantly, like I think the reason that he went bald was worrying about counterattacks. <laughs> <laughs> and so I just, I, I, I can't see him like letting Holland get away with these loose touches constantly in the middle of the pitch uh, where opponents are able to launch counterattacks of, of either wing or break through the back line. Uh, so that's, I, that's concern number one. Yeah. Uh, what, what, what are some other concerns? I'm also curious because so much of modern tactics and especially with the top two teams, in the Premier League right now with Liverpool and Man City, they focus so much on when they press and how they press and, and, and their attitude and angles and all these things uh, on the defensive side of the ball that nonetheless involve the strikers very heavily because that press sometimes starts very, very high up the field, which is, presumably something that Erling Holland would be asked to do if he's starting and playing all the time for Man City. What have you seen from him there and uh, how he might fit or maybe how he might not fit with, with how Pep sort of likes to run his team? Yeah. So, so Holland, I mean, he's a willing presser. He will move, he will chase the ball. Uh, he's maybe not the most talented defender, but after playing under Marsh in the Red Bull system and playing at Dortmund, like he knows that he's supposed to switch on and transition and then help to win the ball back. Uh, but he's not great at it. I think maybe the bigger issue for City, uh, who have tons of talented counterpressers, uh, you know, who can help him if he does lose that ball to try to win it back and put him in behind again. The bigger issue is can they as consistently and as meticulously work the ball up into the final third and bring all their players forward to, together the way that Guardiola likes to do? Or is Holland necessarily going to turn it into more of an end to end game? Uh, you know, Juan Malillo, who's uh, Guardiola's assistant at Manchester City, likes to say the faster the ball goes up the pitch, the faster it comes back at you. And City doesn't like to play that way. They like to move forward very slowly so they can control and win the ball back high. Uh, Holland likes the opposite. He likes that end-to-end Bundesliga action uh, where he can get through the back line. And so I, I think that you know him just basically taking a body out of City's buildup, a guy who's not going to contribute as much, is going to make it harder for them to bring the ball forward in a controlled way. Uh, and then finally, if they do get it into the final third, which they're going to do because they're Manchester City and they're the best club in the world. Once they do that, like a lot of Premier League clubs will back all the way up onto the top of their box. They'll pack two lines of four, maybe even five and four, maybe even six and three. You know, they'll, they'll put all their bodies right there at the top of the box. And because of the way that Holland plays, because of the way that Dortmund and Salzburg played, he doesn't have a lot of experience breaking down a low block. Um You just don't see that very much when you watch his 94 professional goals. Very few of them have come against a low block. Dortmund likes to hold possession deep and then break forward quickly. Uh, City don't do that. Uh, And even though he's six foot four, he doesn't score a lot of goals with his head, which is kind of surprising, right? It's shocking to me, yeah. (laughs) It it is shocking, but, uh, you know, he he wins most of his headers that he does go up for, right? Because he's six foot four but he doesn't head home the ball a lot. He really likes to get it on the ground. That part, maybe that'll work for City because City likes low crosses. They don't like to hit in the air that much anyway. But that just means that he's not adding that extra dimension that, you know, a Raheem Sterling in the middle wouldn't give you with good movement in behind. So at the sort of wage numbers that we're talking about, to say nothing of the fee that Dortmund is going to command, if it doesn't work out with Man City, I think we're probably talking about if Erling Holland moves on a market of like what, like six, five, six clubs uh, that can realistically afford the the whole package. If you were to choose one of those clubs that he would actually fit on, which club would you choose? Like, could you see him on PSG or Real Madrid? I know Real Madrid was certainly like in the conversation a lot. You know, do, do any of these clubs make definitely way more sense for Erling Holland 
uh, instead of Man City. Yeah, I mean, obviously it, it would have been fun to watch uh, Mbappe, Holland, Vinicius at Real Madrid. And yes, it would. <laughs> Real, Madrid, Real Madrid could always afford that. Uh, I think he actually would probably fit pretty well at Manchester United, much better than I can see him fitting at Manchester City. And they're going to need a striker as Ronaldo ages out. Uh, to me, it's it's funny that like City was just chasing Ronaldo at the start of this season, or you know maybe faking it so United would buy it. I don't know, but like it it seems like they just want to buy a striker, just like a famous striker, maybe to kind of give the team more of a higher profile, more personality. Like as good as City has been for the last five years, they a, a lot of people don't kind of get excited about them. They don't really have the profile that a club as good as they are should have, and so you know Holland will give them that name, but. If you're just buying a name, go to Manchester United. That's what they do. They buy names all day long, uh, and he could be a superstar there. Well, it'll be interesting to see how uh, he ends up fitting wherever he ends up going. Uh, when he does actually finalize a move, I'm sure we'll be talking to you, John, to to break down, break it down. Unless maybe I'm, this- I'm sure we'll be talking about all the things I was wrong about in this conversation because you know he's had doubters at every step of his career, and he's always gone on and just blown expectations out of the water. So. I'm prepared to look dumb, and I'm prepared to talk about that later on. Does Alan Shearer agree with your with your assessment of Erling Holland? Shearer says he's going to score 40 goals at Manchester City. He stands by it. I pressed him on it twice, <laughs> stood by it. So he knows more than I do about this stuff. Okay, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna come back with you on this in a year, assuming that he's that he's playing in the Premier League for Manchester City. Until then, John, thanks so much for coming on the show today. Thanks for having me. This show is produced by Mike Zimmerman with help from John Hayes. You can get ad-free versions of the show by subscribing to The Athletic, and you can subscribe for $1 a month for six months by going to theathletic.com slash soccer every day. Also, Soccer Every Day is now on YouTube alongside all of our other great podcasts like Full Time with Meg Winahan and Allocation Disorder with Sam Stayskull and Paul Tenorio. I'm sure we'll be posting more fun video stuff as the year goes on and the World Cup approaches and the Women's World Cup approaches next year. The link for that, our YouTube channel, is also in the show's description. If you're interested in subscribing, you can do it there. Thank you so much for listening or perhaps watching if you're on YouTube and happy soccer to you all.